You know, it's been said that inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened. And I can resonate with that. I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but I, I do see the signs of age. And I do understand what it's like to look in the mirror and see somebody that's not that 21-year-old anymore and wonder, okay, how did I get here? How did I end up somebody who trips over first base playing softball and breaks his shoulder? What, what happened? How did I get here? There's a blessing to being young. And you guys know that. that. That's where you're at. That's the stage of life that you're at. You're entering into or you're in the physical prime of your life where your bodies are thriving right now. And there's a, a, a blessedness about that. And as we think about that youthfulness, Solomon wants us to consider that this week in our text. He's, he's going to bring us face to face with the fleeting aspect of youthfulness. And he wants you to think about, and he wants me to think about youthfulness and how we spend that time in light of the reality that the, the days of old age, if God allows us to live into that, are, are coming. And he's going to warn us that we need to, to use our time as young people well in preparation for that. We need to use this time in a way that's going to glorify God with our youth as we prepare for the time when we are going to be nearer to death, when the old age comes, or as he says in the text, when the evil days come. And so if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to begin in verse 7 and read through chapter 12, verse 8. Ecclesiastes 11, 7 through 12, verse 8. This is our second to last message in Ecclesiastes. And Solomon, who's been hammering death so much in this, in this letter, in this book, is now no longer focused on death so much as he is the fact that some of us, some of you, not all of us maybe, probably not all of us, reality, uh, but, but some of us, at least most of us maybe, are going to live into old age. And so Solomon's holding that picture out now. And he's asking us the question, if, if old age is going to be coming, how then should we live now in light of that? So pick up in verse seven, Solomon says, light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body, for the youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the window are dimmed and the, the doors on the street are shut. And when the sound of grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, the desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. 
Light is sweet, verse 7 of chapter 11. Light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. You know, so many have have misinterpreted, misunderstood Ecclesiastes. I've mentioned this already, and, and you've heard me say this, that so many think that this is a book that's depressing, that this is a book that is is pointless, that it's, it's just telling me that my life here doesn't matter and that it's all meaningless and it's all vanity and uh, it's why even bother? And hopefully now as we are, you know, 16, 15, 16 messages into this series, y- you get the picture that that's not what Solomon's point is, right? That Solomon's point is not despair of life because life is pointless. Solomon's point is live your life wisely because if you don't, you could end up at the end of your life going, man, my life has been a waste. It's been vanity. Don't live under the sun. Live for what's over the sun, right? We've been talking about that. We've mentioned that. And so this isn't a, about, man, just be, uh, be hopeless in this life. Solomon is not suicidal. This is not a book that is depressing if we understand it correctly. And verses seven and eight give us that inclination, give, give us that understanding. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. In other words, there's, there's a beauty about this world, right? Solomon's saying, you know, it, it's good to, to, to walk into a bright room with, with natural light. We've been over in, in 145, our new building, and, and there's a gigantic skylight in the, the top floor that's right over where kind of the, the main break room area is going to be. And it's, it's such a cool thing because that room is filled with, with brilliant light, and it has nothing to do with the, the lights that are built in. It's, it's from the, the sunlight that comes through that skylight. We are people that are inclined towards light. We like the, the brightness of the day. Or we, we like the, the, the colors of light, right? You like to go out to the beach and, and see the sun rise or the sun set. You like the beauty of God's creation. Solomon's saying, look, light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. To, to have a sunny day after a, a stretch of just cloudiness and rain and you're longing to see the sun again. And you see the sun and it jo- brings a, a joy to your, your life and a joy to your, your heart. Well, that's what Solomon's talking about here. He's giving us, he's giving you and I permission to enjoy the good things in this life. He's giving us permission to enjoy the, the creation that God has, has made around us, to enjoy God's gifts that he's given us. See, Solomon's not suicidal. Suicide is just the opposite. It despises the good things that the Lord has given us. It despises the world that he's created for us to live in. It says, it's not enough for me. Suicide says, I've, I've got nothing left to live for. I've got no hope or joy in this life. And it's, again, a misunderstanding. Ecclesiastes, Solomon's point has been the opposite of this. The opposite of this. He's saying, don't get wrapped up living under the sun. While you live under the sun, live for what's over the sun. And there's joy in that. And that's okay to have that joy. First point this week is this, take time to enjoy your life. Take time to enjoy your life. That's part of the message of Ecclesiastes. It's not depressing after all. Solomon's saying, no, it's, it's okay. It's good to enjoy the, the, the things of life. Light is sweet and it's a pleasant thing to see the sun. He's not wanting us, Solomon isn't, to, to be ascetic monks, to be the, the monks that retreat into our, our individual communities and deny ourselves of, of any pleasure or any experience of joy whatsoever for fear that it's sinful. 
No, Solomon's saying there are things about your life. There are small things. There are things that, that aren't extremely significant that maybe you find joy in, that, that it's okay to find joy in those things as long as you enjoy them the right way. Take music, for example, right? Now, it'd be foolish for us to live our entire lives for music. To, to love a band so much that you live for one release to the next release to the next release and you have all the lyrics memorized and you know all the band members and you go to every single one of their concerts. Not anymore because COVID-19, but, but if it starts back up again, you're going to social distance mosh pit at the concerts, right? Which is going to be a sight to see. But you're there and it's, it's everything and you live for this band and, and you live for music and you know every stat there is about them and you're consumed with them, right? That's a foolish thing but it's not a foolish thing to enjoy music. God's given us a, an ability as, as humans to, to like music. There's so much music in the Bible, even in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is an entire book all about songs, all about music, right? And so if you enjoy good music and you can enjoy it in a way that glorifies God, excellent, praise God. That's what Solomon's talking about. Music can be sweet the way that light is sweet. You can enjoy that as a gift from God. Or maybe it's, you love coffee. You are a disciple of Pastor Mark, right? You are a follower of him. You're like, I know what good coffee is and I know what bad coffee is. And I'm gonna only drink good coffee and you will never find me with a K-cup in my hands ever, right? That's not me. I've got a K-cup machine at home. I'll use it if I need to. It's not my first choice, but I'm not, I'm not above that, right? It's okay to enjoy a good cup of coffee, but to consume your life with it, Right? to consume your life with it and to be all about it. And you, you, that's all you think about, all you talk about. Well, that's foolish, isn't it? But it's a good thing to enjoy a good cup of coffee. Or maybe it's, it's your identity and your career path, that you find joy in what you do right now. You find joy in your studies. You find joy in thinking about the future that God has given you. That's, that's a good thing. That's something that you can take joy in this life. Light is sweet and it's pleasant to see the sun. It's a good thing to do that. But if you become enraptured in that, and that's your only source of joy is your future, your career path, your education, your degree that you want to get, that's where we've gone too far. And we've made a good thing that God's given us to enjoy into an ultimate thing. And that's where it's an idol. And if we spend our lives living for that, for those foolish things that I was talking about, that's where we come to the conclusion and say, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. See, Solomon's again giving us permission to enjoy the moment, to enjoy the day. Think about the story of Mary and Martha, right? You had Mary who was busy about serving and she was trying to get everything ready for the meal and she was doing everything that she could. And she was in the kitchen, she was in the dining room, she was doing everything. And Martha was there sitting at the feet of Christ, listening to Jesus, enjoying the presence of her savior. And Mary looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, tell her to get busy. I need help. And Jesus says, Mary, Martha has chosen the better portion. See, there's a danger in our lives that we can become so busy about life, so focused on just, well, I just need to put one foot in front of the other and I just need to do whatever I'm supposed to do and I just need to keep my head down until I'm done here on this life and then I'll go to be with heaven. And that's where joy is found is in heaven with the Lord. And yes, that's where ultimate joy is found. But we can't be so busy that we ignore and neglect the gifts that God has given us here. Light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Some of us need to slow down to stop and smell the roses, so to speak, to enjoy that, that, that sunrise, 
to enjoy that funny movie, to enjoy that good cup of coffee, to enjoy uh, a, a great talk with our friend, as long as they don't become an ultimate thing in our lives, as, they, as long as those things don't become the, the sole satisfaction, the sole source of joy for our lives, we can enjoy them. All the while, though, remembering that if a person lives many years, verse 8, we should rejoice in them all, but remember that the days of darkness will be many. A long life can be a joyful life is what Solomon is saying here. A long life can be a pleasant life as long as we remember that the days of darkness will be many. The days of darkness refer to the time when death approaches. And the days of darkness are the days when, yes, we, when we die, but also more than that, the, the days of old age, as I mentioned at the beginning, and as Solomon is going to flush out more for us. Those days are, are, are coming and life will not be as pleasant and as joyful in those days as it once was when we were younger. And so Solomon is encouraging us, challenging us to enjoy life now. Enjoy life in the moment. Take time to enjoy your life. So I, I wonder, what are the things that you enjoy? What are the things even during this lockdown that you've been enjoying, that you've been taking time out to, to find pleasure in? And how can you take those things and, and can you trace those things and the joy that you feel back to the Lord and back to him? And then if you can, how can you be intentional to thank him and praise him and glorify him for that joy? Because that's that's the way that we enjoy the, the things that God has given us, the good things in life. As we see it, we see that sunrise. God, thank you for that sunrise. It's beautiful. Thank you that you created me to appreciate beauty, that you are a God of, of beauty, that you are a God of, of, of design and order, and that, and that we can see that and appreciate that and, and find joy in that. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for this cup of coffee that you gave me taste buds to experience that and to enjoy that and to, to find pleasure in that. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for my studies, my school that I'm enjoying right now. And I know it just is on the back end of finals week, so maybe this one's harder for you. But Lord, thank you for the semester that you just gave me and that you still enabled me even to pursue my studies while on lockdown and, and, and to learn more, Lord, so that I'm equipped to go out and do what you want me to do. Lord, thank you for giving me the passion to do what I want to do. Lord, thank you for those things. Thank you for the joy that you've given me there. See, that's how we enjoy this life in a way that pleases the Lord, why we don't have to be depressed, why we don't have to be suicidal in this life, saying vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So what's the point of living? That's not the message of Ecclesiastes. The message of Ecclesiastes is, then how should we live? Well, we should live by getting over the sun and we can get over the sun with the things that we enjoy here by returning thanks to the one who is over the sun, who's given them to us. Again, the focus here is on our youthfulness here. That ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden, that our bodies over time break down. And therefore, the younger the, that you are, the more able you are to fully enjoy this life, at least in theory. The younger that you are, you can run faster. You can go longer. You can stay up later. You can eat more of whatever you want to eat because your metabolism is faster, right? You can recover more quickly. I mean, there's a, a sense about our youthfulness that allows us to enjoy life more than when we grow older. And so Solomon wants us to be enjoying life while we are young. Look at verses 9 and 10. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity or, or fleeting in that sense. Youth and the dawn of life, they're, they're here and then they're gone. It's, it's temporary. He's not saying that youth and the dawn of life are meaningless. He's saying it's, it's here and then it's gone. In our passage, Solomon will address the youth twice. 
Those who are young, you students, he's going to address you twice, specifically the first time he's here. And he says, rejoice in your youth. Rejoice in your youth. Well, we've been talking about how just a minute ago, and Solomon even has talked about that previously in, in this book. In Ecclesiastes 2, 24 through 26, Ecclesiastes 2, 24 through 26, he says, there's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? It comes from God, right? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. So God has given us the ability to enjoy life. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20, similarly. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and to rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. See, God wants us to experience joy in this life. He's given us that. He's given us that as a gift to experience joy in this life. And so students, as you are young, Solomon is telling you, rejoice in the days of your youth. Don't let these things go by and pass you by so that you're that old person looking in the mirror going, what happened? Because that day will come, students. I'm just telling you that day will come. The older you get, the shorter the years go by. The shorter the years seem. And so Solomon is telling you to rejoice in the days of your youth, but then he provides a warning to you. He provides a warning to you saying, but, but make sure that you rejoice in them in a way that honors the Lord. Because he says this, he says, walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Now, I don't know if when I read that earlier, when you read that, your, your alarm bell started going off in your mind. Red flags started popping up going, walk in the ways of my heart and, and delight in, in my eyes. That, that doesn't sound right, Solomon. That doesn't sound like sound advice. I'm not supposed to follow my heart, I thought. Numbers 15.39 says this, Numbers 15.39, it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, and not to follow after your own heart in your own eyes, both of those that Solomon just said, which you are inclined to whore after. Your heart and your eyes, they appeal to our passions, right? 1 John 2.15-17 talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, eyes, flesh, heart, the boastful pride of life. Those are things of the world that lead us away from God. 2 Samuel 7, 3. This was really the only bad advice that, that Nathan ever gave to David. David told Nathan, I want to build a temple for God. Nathan didn't seek the Lord to find out if this was a good thing, and neither did David. Nathan told David this. He said, and Nathan said to the king, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Well, God shows up to Nathan and says, Nathan, what are you thinking? Go back to David and tell him, don't do that, right? Why? Don't follow your heart. So what is Solomon doing here? Because we've been told since we were little, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So Solomon, why are you telling me to follow after my heart? Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. That doesn't sound like good advice, Solomon. Well, Solomon's warning us with that. He's warning us with that because he says, but know that for all these things, these things that your heart desires and your eyes see and that you're walking after, you're, you're whoring after as the strong language from Numbers talks about. Solomon says, for all of these things, God will bring you into judgment. See, he's warning us. He's warning the young people. He's saying, look, 
Enjoy life as God wants you to enjoy life. But be careful. Be careful because if you walk after the desires of your heart and your youthfulness and you follow after the desires of your eyes, God will bring all these things into judgment. What are these things? They're the sinful desires, the sinful pursuits of our heart and our eyes. It's the first John 2, 15 through 17. It's the things of the world. It's your sins, your lusts, your passions, your covetousness, your greed, your anger, all of those things those will be brought into judgment by God. And so if you enslave yourself to the passions of your heart and your eyes, if you, as the New Testament talks about, make your your belly your God, in other words, your appetites your God, what you want, what you desire, what you crave, you get for yourself. If that's how you live the days of your youth, Solomon has a warning. And that warning is, look, there's a day coming when all of those things are going to be brought into judgment. Our second point this week is this, recognize that youthful choices carry eternal consequences. Recognize that youthful choices carry eternal consequences. The person that says, I want to live after my heart and after my eyes also says in verse 10, I I want to remove vexation, anxiety, fear, worry, that weightiness. I'm going to do everything I can to remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from my body. This is the person that, that is numbing themselves with sin. This is the person that, that is, anytime they feel the weight of conviction, they're, they're, they're stuffing it down and they're, they're, they're hardening their heart against the, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their life. They're building up calluses on their heart to, to what God wants to do in their life. They're removing vexation from their heart and putting away pain from their bodies. But the problem is, as Solomon has said, the things that they're choosing to dull their senses with, those sins that they're choosing to pursue and the ignoring God calling to them, the the spirit in their life, that those things are going to be brought into judgment. There's a a, a fearful concept that Randy Alcorn, who's an author who wrote a book on heaven, has put forward. And he said that there are some living right now for whom this is the closest to heaven that they will ever be. And those are the people that, that Solomon's talking about here. The people that live for the pleasures of this life, that live for life under the sun, that live for sinful things, not the things that God has given us to enjoy that are good things, but they've made good things ultimate things. They've made good things sinful things. And they're living for all of that. And and Alcorn made the point. He said, this is as close to heaven as they're ever going to get. Because one day they're going to die and they're going to be cast away from the Lord into the place of outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the the worm never dies. And the smoke of, of torment goes up forever in that place, in, in hell. This is what is at stake, students. If you think of the, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where there's that void and the rich man is able to look over and see Lazarus, it says in the bosom of, of Abraham. And the rich man calls out to him for relief from the torment that he's experiencing. See, students, hell is a, a real place. Hell is a, a, a place that you should be fearful of. Hell is a place that that none of us should ever want to be. None of us should ever want to go. It's not a, a party. It's not a, 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 a place of temporal suffering. It's not a place that, that you can reason yourself out of. It's not a place that you'll ever get used to. It's a place that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever without end and without, uh, without letting up one split second for all of eternity, you will be in pain in torment, and suffering more than you've ever experienced here on this earth. And so Solomon's warning us, 
that if we live for our flesh, if we live for our heart, if we live for what our eyes desire, that we will come into the judgment of God. He's going to judge these things. See, God is perfectly just, students. And no sin can go unpunished. And so in his perfect justice, the, the sins that you commit and that I commit, if they aren't atoned for by Christ, if they aren't paid for by Christ on the cross, if you haven't repented from those sins and put your trust in Jesus as your savior, you stand guilty and condemned and you will be punished for those sins in hell. And the decisions that you make now carry eternal consequences. It's difficult, I understand, at, at, at a, a young age to feel the weight of your daily decisions in this life and think that they're going to carry eternal consequences. I understand that, but it's, it's what the scriptures teach. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, even for believers, students, even for you as a Christian, your, your decisions, the choices that you make, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to receive what is due for what you have done, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5.10. You'll receive what is due for what you have done in the body, whether good or evil. There's going to be a forfeiture of reward if you have given your life over to doing evil things, sinful things. Even for you, if you're saved, there's going to be that pain of the loss of reward at that moment. And for you who aren't saved, again, there's that eternal damnation. And there's a mentality that you can embrace, that you can have. And I know it because I've had these thoughts as a young man as well. When you think, you know what, when I'm older, I'll make better choices. I'll get right with God when I'm older. You know what, I'll stop doing this sin that I've been enslaved to. I'll make up for it with a track record of obedience eventually. Eventually, I'll have that epiphany moment where God's going to open my eyes to the sinfulness in my life. And, and, and I'm just going to not want to do that anymore because God's going to wave his magic wand and he's all of a sudden going to sanctify me in an instant and I'm going to be good to go from that time forward. And you have those thoughts and you continue to walk in patterns of disobedience, thinking to yourself tomorrow, I'll deal with this tomorrow, the next time, I'll deal with this the next time. And you know, students, honestly, Satan has you exactly where he wants you with that mindset because tomorrow will turn into tomorrow's tomorrow. And then the next day and the next day and the next day. All the while you're giving yourself over to the desires of your heart and the desires of your eyes. And these things will come under judgment. See, it doesn't work that way to say, I'll get right with God later. I'll deal with this later. That when I get older, I'll be different. Students, Christ is your all or he's not your anything. He's your all or he's not your anything. Age will not sanctify you. It will just make you an older sinner. That's all age does. Growing older doesn't change your sinful desires. The only thing that changes your sinful desires is the spirit of God working in you to sanctify you, to make you more holy, to make you more like Jesus. That's what changes you, students. And so if you don't have Christ, it's not like someday you're going to wake up and no longer desire to lust, no longer desire to uh, to to speak profanity and things like that. No, no longer desire to be lazy. No longer desire the, 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 the acclaim of the world. It, it, age does not sanctify you. God sanctifies you. And also time served does not make up for sins committed either. And so if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to stop this. And then what's going to make me right with God is I'll, I'll stop the sin and then I'll be obedient for so many years. And then, then I'll be good with God. No, that, that's the filthy rags that, that Isaiah talks about. Going to the Lord and saying, okay, look, God, I, I know I messed up for a while, but then look at how long I didn't mess up for. That's looking to justify yourselves by your works. That's self-righteousness. And God says, that's disgusting to me. 
Students, if, if you want to get right with God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the time is today, not tomorrow. It's today. It's time to radically deal with the sin in your life. Like Jesus said, to, to chop off your arm and throw it from you. If, sin, if it causes you to sin, get rid of it. It's the ra- radical amputation of sin in your life. It's Paul to Timothy saying, flee from youthful passions. Flee from the things that lead you into sin. Don't trifle with them. Don't flee tomorrow. Flee today. Don't flee later today. Flee now. Run, students. Get out of there. Don't follow after your heart. Don't follow after your eyes. They are lousy shepherds because they will lead you into the pit of destruction. Follow the good shepherd. Follow Christ. Run after him. Make wise choices. Rejoice in your youth. Seize the day today as you are young and live in that youthfulness and enjoy the good gifts that God has given you, praising him for them while you guard against making sure that you're not turning the good things that God has given you into ultimate things in your life because only one thing should be ultimate in your life and that is Christ. Recognize that your youthful decisions that you make right now carry eternal consequences. And while you are young, as you are living in a way that should please the Lord, Solomon's second command to you is remember your creator in the days of your youth. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember your creator. Live your life mindful of God. How should we then live? That way. See, Solomon's landing the plane like we talked about last week in this final chapter. And he's bringing things to a close. And as such a a monumentally massive portion of answering the question of this book, how should I then live, Solomon? Is this, remember your creator. Keep God at the forefront of your mind. Keep God right here in front of your face. Keep his word emblazoned on your heart and on your mind. Don't forget God, students. Daily, hourly, minute by minute, remember God. Remember your creator. Solomon's given you such a a leg up on living this life that if as a young man, a young woman, that you you will embrace this and say, I'm going to remember the creator in the days of my youth. You will live a life that pleases the Lord and you will live a life of much joy and satisfaction. Maybe not according to the world standards, but you will have an abiding joy, an abiding satisfaction because you will be focused on him. You'll be focused on what's over the sun, not what's under the sun. And so live your life focused on your creator before the evil days come. Again, what are the evil days? It's the days surrounding our death, old age, the years that draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. The years where you're going to look in the mirror and say, what happened? Where did the 19-year-old go? Where did the 21-year-old go? Version of me. Who is this that I see with the dad bod? What in the world? Where did that all go? Because it's coming, students. It's going to come, it's going to be here. And all of a sudden you're going to go, what happened? So Solomon's saying, remember your creator in the days of your youth. As the, before the evil days come. And, and, and then he goes into this weird section when we read it at first. We're thinking to ourselves, what are you talking about, Solomon? You're talking about the sun and the stars and the moon. You're, you're talking about the keepers of the house. You're talking about the strong men. You're talking about the grasshopper at one point. And then there's this weird silver cord and golden bowl and a pitcher what in the world are you talking about? Well, what Solomon's doing here is he's giving us a picture, a metaphor uh, 
of old age, a metaphor of what it looks like to grow old. And he's holding this out so that we can be brought face to face with it so that as you are, especially you students, as you are youthful, that you can look at those days coming and say, okay, that's what he means by the the old age. I'm going to appreciate what God's given me now. And I'm going to remember him in the days of my youth and live the way that he wants me to. Verse two, he says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. He's talking about our eyesight. As you grow older, your eyesight breaks down. Not for everybody, but for majority of the people, that's true. Your parents, maybe they don't wear glasses all the time, but maybe you've seen them pick up what they call their readers. It's the, the magnifying glasses that they put on that, that make the text on the page bigger to them. Or maybe your mom or dad, their Bible is a large print Bible or your grandpa or grandma is a large print Bible. Why? Because of what he's talking about here. The sun, the moon, the stars, the light, those things that give light in our life, our, our eyes, right? The, the eyes take in light. They are, are, are darkened. And the clouds return after the rain. Our, our vision becomes cloudy or, or blurry and it doesn't go away. The, the rain stops, but the clouds are still there, right? As you grow older, your, your eyesight can break down and begin to grow blurry even. Ecclesiastes 12.3, he goes on, he says, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. The, the keepers of the house are, are these right here, our hands, Right? If you think about how somebody would, would keep their house in order, you use your hands. If you're hanging something up on the wall, you use your hands to hang up something on the wall. If you're cleaning something, you use your hands to, to clean uh, and to wipe down, right? These are the keepers of the house. And in old age, they tremble. As our body breaks down, as our coordination breaks down, as our mus- muscles begin to atrophy, we don't have the same ability to do the things with our hands that we once did. Our hand-eye coordination breaks down and, and everything else. And so he's saying they begin to tremble, the keepers of the house. And then he says the strong men are bent. There's some question here, but most of the commentators believe that this refers to the muscles in the back and the legs, some of the strongest muscles in your body, that they are bent, that in old age, you begin to, to hunch over, right? That you, you begin to, to bend because you, you can't stand upright. Those muscles have, have broken down over time and they, they can't hold the weight of your body anymore. And so the strong men are bent and the grinders the grinders cease because they are few. What do you think the grinders are? Well, those are our teeth, right? In our old age, maybe some of your grandparents have dentures. They pop them in before you come to visit them because they don't want to scare you with just a gummy smile, right? Our, our, our teeth can, can begin to fall out, can begin to decay, can begin to we can lose them, right? In our old age. And especially if you think back to this time when Solomon was writing, they didn't have dentists. They didn't have fluoride. They didn't have, you know, the, the electric toothbrushes that have two minute timers on them. So this was way more common in his day. And he's saying that the, the grinder ceased because there's too few of them anymore. And then he says, those that look through the windows are dimmed. Again, it's a reference to our eyes and, and probably not so much our eyesight anymore, but there's, in, in somebody who's young, there's just a sparkle in their eyes, right? There's that, that youthfulness in their eyes. But as you grow older, you, you, you lose that. You lose the, the vigor of life that's seen in the eyes. And he says, the, the, those who look through the windows are, are dimmed. Verse four, he says, and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of grinding is low and the one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. The doors on the street are shut. He's, he's dealing now with our ears. And he says, for some, you're, you're going to lose your ability to hear. The daughters of song are going to be brought low. You're not going to be able to hear that anymore. 
and the 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 sound outside is is going to be gone because the door is is shut close. But then he says there are others that when you grow older, you're going to rise at the the sound of a bird outside, that you're not going to be able to sleep anymore. Those same ears that struggle to hear the the pleasant things, the daughter of song, that bird is going to chirp and it's going to sound like a megaphone in your ear and you're going to be out of bed because you're not going to be able to go back to sleep anymore. If you talk to your grandparents, I'm sure they would tell you that they probably struggle with sleeping. They don't sleep in. They wake up early. Why? Because of the birds. There's birds that I have outside of, of my window at home right now and there's one that likes to go crazy at like 2.30 a.m. And I don't know why. The sun's not out. I mean, this bird is, it's got some problems. And if I can find it, and if I can track down like a BB gun or something, that this, I'll I'll put it out of its misery, right? Because at 2.30 a.m., it's just squawking like crazy. And it wakes me up and it's frustrating. Solomon is saying, at old age, you're going to rise in the morning at the sound of the birds. And then verse five, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. Desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Well, the first thing he says there is is fear. As you grow older, what once maybe didn't make you afraid or cause you any fear is now something that you are fearful of. Maybe it's heights. You fear falling. You fear something like that. You're, you're afraid because you realize your own frailty as you grow older. The almond tree blossoms. That's referring to the hair. The hair turns white with age as you grow older there. The grasshopper drags itself along. There's questions about what that's referring to specifically, but I, I, I think it's, you think of a grasshopper and it's bouncing and it's, it's normally a very agile bug. It's an agile insect. It hops from one place to another, to another, to another, to another, and it's got those strong back legs. And now in old age, it's dragging itself along. Again, the picture of just a broken down body, a body that's atrophied. Desire fails. I won't go into this too much, but the sexual desire wanes as you get older. And that's another sign of of growing old. And Solomon says all of this is because man is going to his eternal home because death is approaching and the mourners are even already going about their streets. Verses 67, before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is life compared to the, the picture of a well, a silver cold cord with a golden bowl that was lowered down in to bring the water up or a pitcher that was lowered down in to bring the water up and the, the cord of life snaps, the pitcher shatters and that life-giving water is no more because the life is done and the body returns to dust and the soul returns to the Lord. Again, this is a picture of old age. And if you live long enough, this is inevitable. These things will happen to you as well your body will break down. It's going to happen. And so our final point this week is this, consider well the inevitability of aging. Consider well the inevitability of aging. You might be able to avoid an early death, but no one avoids the breakdown of the body and aging. There's no such thing as the fountain of youth. There's no such thing as that where where you can go and and find some serum that's going to keep you young and vigorous. It's not going to happen. And Solomon, who has brought us face to face with death so many times in the book, now just wants to bring us face to face with the, the breakdown of our body. And once more, he's trying to get us over the sun. He's trying to get us to understand that your hope is not in this life. Because as you live longer and longer in this life, your body is going to break down more and more and more and more, and you're not going to be able to enjoy things the way that you once did. And so if your hope is here, it's a bleak picture. It's not a hopeful picture for you. 
You're not going to be able to enjoy life the same way that you can now. And so he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth so that you live well. Your youthfulness is a gift from God. And and Solomon's saying, don't waste it. Invest well in your youthfulness now. Remember your creator and live obediently to him. Take joy in, in the gifts that he's given you in this life and enjoy this life, but enjoy this life in a way that pleases him and honors him and glorifies him. Not in a way that, that glorifies yourself. Again, that, that warning exists there. If you don't live your life well now, remembering your creator, that, that judgment is coming. And so consider well the inevitability of aging, that it's coming, that we're going to be like this person in, in chapter 12 that he's painted this picture of, that our bodies are going to break down. And if you're living just to enjoy life here on earth, there's coming a time when it's not going to be enjoyable anymore. And you're going to be looking back at it going, man, I wasted it. Vanity of vanities, as he says in verse eight, all is vanity. That's the person who's lived under the sun, who's now that old, old man or old woman, broken down, unable to enjoy life the way that they once did, looking back at their life going, what, what was the point? It's gone. I can't carry those pleasures with me. Those pleasures are over. I'm not still experiencing the pleasure from it anymore. And it's gone. It's a waste. It's vanity. So students, consider well the inevitability of old age and live well now. Remember the creator in the days of your youth so that by the time that you're here, if God permits you to live to this age, that you're ready to go be with the Lord, that you're saying, God, I've I've lived a life well here. I'm ready to go be with you. Let's go. Bring me home. Not trying to, to scrape and scrap and cling to any shred of joy that you can still find under the sun in your old age. Now you'll be ready to go be with the Lord because you will have lived well, investing your life well, remembering the creator in the days of your youth. Again, Solomon takes a different angle here. Youthfulness in old age in this section that we looked at this week. Not necessarily talking about death, though death is implied. It's in the background. It's always in the background here in this book. And that question is, how then should we live? And he's held this, this contrast between youthfulness and old age to help us understand what's coming. And again, to get our minds off of living under the sun, but to get our minds about living over the sun, remembering our creator in the days of our youth so that when the old age comes, we won't have regrets. We won't be fearing judgment, but that we will be ready for the Lord. He doesn't want us to to wake up one day as an old man or an old woman and, and look in the mirror and say, what happened? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this text. We thank you for the gift of life. And we thank you that we can live a long life and find joy in this long life that we live. Lord, we we pray that we would do that mindful as Solomon encourages us in this passage to remember the evil days and to be aware of them and to make sure that we are not living uh, in such a way as as to neglect their inevitability, that they are going to come, that if you permit us to live long enough, that our bodies are going to break down. And if we live for life just under the sun, what a waste it will be. God, I, I pray that we would live lives that are pleasing to you that are obedient to you, that are faithful to you. And I, I pray that we would be able to answer this question for ourselves. How should we then live as we look at this book? That we wouldn't see this as a despairing book, but a, a book that even gives us permission to enjoy life as long as we enjoy life in a way that pleases you. To remember you and to rejoice in our youthfulness in a way that pleases you and gives you glory. And so we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen.